Welcome to Mirror on the Wall, where we take the time to reflect deep within inside ourselves to make a positive impact not only within our lives, but in the lives of those who surround us. Allowing my emotional state to dominate what was happening in my life. For sure. And I come to understand this and recognize this as impulsive behavior. Welcome everybody to Mirror on the Wall. Hello, hello. Once again, my name is Victor. My name is Gary. We are back, bro. Now, last episode was fire. Yeah, uh, we had a great guest. She was amazing. Brought some fire, for sure. I think what was really great about it was some of what we call in our field as normies. We were looking at it like, wow, they could really sit back and really start to reflect. That's one of the big goals we have here. One of the amazing things that I found through our conversation with LG was her ability to stay strong, to have this acceptance about everything that's happened in her life and no longer crumble. Maybe because I see it as how it was for me. Right. I mentioned that there was conversations that I wasn't able to have before. And that was all based out of the guilt and shame and remorse that I had in my life. There was times where I couldn't conversate about being separated from my dad, my biological father when I was a kid. Also, when it came down to speaking about the separation and the lack of contact with my children, that was a very sore subject. I got get through that conversation with anyone without tearing up or having that crack into my voice right and nowadays i see how extensive work that we do in our day-to-day and how through this process of recovery we can actually deal with this type of emotions more effectively come to a point of acceptance and realize that there is nothing that we can do to change what happened we come to accept it and we have laid it to rest and we're able to move on to what comes next right right and this is one of the things that i got from that conversation with our guests and we were very grateful to have her she brought some great insight on a different perspective the fact that today i can focus on the similarities rather than the differences i can sit here and be like well i'm not trans but i am in recovery and i have had a helpless state of mind Mm -hmm. and i have had trauma in my life and i have had situations that were baffling and i cannot manage one important thing to mention as well was it gave you a sample of what the action looks like. Because right. even if you're listening, she didn't wake up with this profound reflection and just a great sense of self. This was through work and growth, her narrative changing at the more that she grew. And I think that that's something amazing to see in her story. That's a very key element, that narrative. Mm. Staying in gratitude, continuing to live on the day-to-day without having to recourse back to that impulse behavior right and it's because we take the time to sit back take a second relax breathe and analyze the situation she made a very strong point when she said she had a situation where the individual just yelled out something derogatory and in the past we had this tendency to want to react right you're going to respect me and if you got something to say you gonna come and say it in my face because that's just how i am and that's how it's how i handle things and today that's the old school, new school to her, and she mentioned that was you got a problem. Keep it yourself because <laughs> I'm I'm having a good day. I'm having a good day. I don't need your drama. And right. I thought that was such a, a deep perspective, clarifying perspective in regards to where she is currently in her process and that narrative, right? Right. Living towards her expectations for herself and not society's expectations for herself. And how that expectation involves all the good things that she wants for herself. Right not what other people 
me to understand about her. Right. That was such a strong statement that I had a conversation with my son. I actually used that in regards to. Okay. Hey, think about the things that you say. You know, you don't have to you know, stand there and be Mr. Bossman and be, you know, Mr. Tough Guy. Right. Sometimes it's all right to let people talk to shit. Just walk away from it because at the end of the day, it means nothing. You know, it has nothing to do with your life, your life and your perspective. You know, then why we didn't have that kind of conversation, the conversation I was having with my daughter, where she is learning to this new people that we're growing to be. She's like the, the new us. We don't got to fight everybody. We don't have to yell and scream. We don't have to be those people at the family functions mm. or just in public in general. She's like, no, 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 no. We don't do that. Mm. We're too hard to live a life where we don't have to force our truth on other people. We get to live our own truth for ourselves. So we are extremely grateful. We want to thank LG once again for thank you so much um, accommodating us and meeting with us last week and having this amazing conversation that not only impacted my personal life, but I believe has also impacted other people that had the opportunity to listen to that podcast. If you haven't heard it, I suggest that you take the time to listen to it. There's some great insight. There's some great acknowledgments and, and knowledge about self and the process of understanding what her change was for herself and to benefit herself for sure with that in mind we have talked about you know what we're going to bring to the table today man and yes one of the conversations that originally started between gary and i was we connected at this level of being able to exchange process and exchange thoughts and exchange perspectives mm -hmm. was through a book called everything mm -hmm. is fucked by mark manson right and we're going to place the link to that book below audibles and, and other sources and if you had the opportunity to read this book you would see that there's some very powerful insight on the constant battle within ourselves yes to utilize reason by dominating emotion yeah the specific chapter that you and i have had time to conversate about and where we really connected and where we were both kind of like wow this this makes a lot of sense to us yeah was chapter two yeah Right. And it talks about lobotomies and how mm -hmm. society has intended to come up with this solution on how to eliminate the emotional side of humans and how to remove the animalistic side right. of a human being. Right. By allowing consciousness to dominate. Yeah. And the perception is that with consciousness, we can dominate emotions to a point where we have this thing called self-control mm -hmm. and he talks about how self-control is an illusion why because without actually physically lobotomizing someone mm -hmm. there's no way you can remove right emotion because emotion is what drives action right and as they talked about here and there as well is that someone who has been lobotomized only is thinking and rational still suffers right because they're emotionless and like as you just said right now emotions are what drive that action what he talks about is this individual that had a lobotomy. He had certain character defects and shortcomings that were affecting his life. And through this lobotomy, he actually affected his life even more because he now lacked the ability to feel empathy for those in his life. He would rather sit down and watch a James Bond movie and not feel the need to actually get up and connect with anyone else or go to his son's soccer game or have a conversation mm -hmm. regarding house issues or family issues with his wife. So he in turn emotionally disconnected from those around him. 
and he began to impact them negatively. Mm -hmm. One of the things that he talks about is this concept of the clown car in this chapter, Mm -hmm. which we both really connected with and understood because it brought a lot of clarity of my life was a freaking clown car, bro. (laughs) Mine too, mine too. Full with personalities and egos and... The music bumping and the big tires and, and the big tires and you know constantly going off road for sure for no reason whatsoever <laughs> allowing my emotional state to dominate what was happening in my life for sure and i come to understand this and recognize this as impulsive behavior right now tell me a little bit about what does this chapter do to you what have you been able to process in your life day-to-day actions on how you perceive life based on those two concepts consciousness versus emotion and so um like you said this chapter really stuck out is probably one of the first times we really had a pretty deep conversation and i remember you playing it for me so i instantly had to download both books right initially it showed for me to give some thought to my feeling and then to really see how does a thinking part of my brain a conscious part of my brain work with my emotion it was nice because i think it was the first glimpse of allowing myself to feel because i had been so impulsive in my life up to this point that i felt that i needed to cram and bottle all my emotions down and just think my way out of everything. Now, looking back on it, what I can see different is there still has to be this balance because I was manipulating my emotional side to follow what my thinking brain was thinking. This will only last for so long. The more that I really re-listened to this chapter and really went over it, I was able to pinpoint this has been the problem I've been having because in the beginning, you know, all these new things with school and what I'm learning in my sobriety and what I'm learning with the acceptance of being blind and how to maneuver through life was exciting. So the emotional part of my brain is happy. The thinking brain is good enough because it feels like we're moving forward with purpose. But now that first step is completed and I'm on to the next one, my emotional brain is like, wait a minute, why are we feeling the same shit? <laughs> why does all this suck again when we just finished this? And so it's been this battle and what i've realized is that my thinking part of my brain and my emotional side of my brain had been fighting for so long what i believe i'm finally getting to now is is like all right look you guys need to figure it out they're finally getting to a point where they're willing to talk and be rational the thinking side of my brain is finally like okay how do you feel because expectations of society and life have told me to shut those down right and again, I'm going to put this out, but we've said before with, with family and friends, like, like, you know, I grew up in the house. My dad was like, don't, we don't, we don't cry. I'll give you the reason to cry. Mm. So we don't cry. Mm. Or people say, why are you mad, bro? Why are you sad, bro? Why are you crying, bro? Like all these things, feelings that I'm not supposed to feel. So I stuffed them down and I stuffed mm. them down or I escaped them by using drugs, you know, going really fast in circles. Mm. And now that that's not what I'm doing. All those feelings that I've crammed down and tried to hide in the trunk, finally found the release (laughs) and are out. And so the thinking side of my brain knows enough now that we can't just ignore what the emotions are feeling. For me, what first heard this chapter, Mm -hmm. the first time I heard it, it really brought this clarification and this feeling of an understanding, right? Why was it that I lived life the way I did? Mm-hmm. Why 
was my actions so dramatic all the time and that's yeah. because i lived emotionally mm-hmm. and i allowed my emotions to control the action which ultimately was a reaction i just right. reacted to things mm-hmm. so everything was impulsive and understanding that the reason why i had impulsive behavior mm-hmm. it was based out of the need to soothe emotion right. if i felt angry then I needed to yell. I needed to cut someone out. I needed to punch a wall. I needed to, right? you know, if I felt threatened, which mm-hmm. ultimately was afraid, then I needed to impose myself. It's just my animalistic side will come out, right. which means I feel threatened by you. Then I need to defend myself. Mm-hmm. And that came out in a form of aggression. Right. Came out in a form of verbal aggression, physical aggression, mental aggression. So why did I have all these broken relationships? It was because everything that I did, emotional based, my mm-hmm. behavior was based on my emotions. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of things that were lacking. The things that I remember was, this is what you should do, but I never understood why I needed to do that. You should know better. You should, you know, don't feel that way. Don't act that way. Don't cry about everything. Right. And that's the one thing I hated about myself. I was really resentful about the, the fact that I was constantly emotional. So I couldn't talk with anyone about a serious subject or have a serious conversation with, let's say, my ex-wife or another relationship that I had yeah. without getting emotional and passionate. And when I get passionate, my my voice gets louder, right? Right. And my ex-wife would be like, why are you yelling? I'm not yelling. I'm just like you're, really you're passionate. Excited, just, right. I've been that's, there. That's who I am. <laughs> uncontrollable tears. Uncontrollable emotion. Yeah. So I would cry and I hated that about me. I saw that as weakness. Mm-hmm. It, it affected my self-esteem. It yeah. affected my relationships with other people just mm-hmm. because of the way I perceived myself, yeah. right? I was fighting what logically I knew mm-hmm. was the way I should be acting versus what I emotionally was feeling mm-hmm. and reacting to. Right. So eventually what would happen was that I began to justify my way of acting Mm-hmm. So I began to rationalize, giving myself the excuses, mm-hmm. hence the constant resentments and holding on to certain validations that would validate my vindictive behavior, my lack of responsibility, my lack of cognitive response towards mm-hmm. fatherhood, right, and ultimately towards just being a good human being in general. Right. I began to give all these reasons. And it was everybody else's fault, mm-hmm. not mine. Right. And what this was, it was basic rationalization, trying to make my emotions calm the fuck down. Right. Because they were driving me fucking nuts. Yeah. And they were driving me into addiction. They were driving, and they drove me into a hole. But the lack of understanding that my emotions are out of control mm-hmm. and that my reasonable thinking is now not only validating it, but helping mm-hmm. that emotion drive me even deeper. Right. Kept me at this state of desolation resentment, mm-hmm. anger, and eventually drove me into depression. Because mm-hmm. you're constantly having an argument with yourself 24-7, right? In constant debate. Yeah. And see, like one of the things they were talked about in the book that I related to on that part was where what was happening too was the thinking brain kept telling the thinking side of my brain is on my emotional brain. Well, man, what happened last time you drove? You did this. You did this. You messed this up. You fucked that up. You fucked that up. So now what was happening was the emotional side of my brain is depressed because the thinking brain keeps reminding how every time it drives, it fucks it up. But yet, as the book explains, the emotional brain still drives. Now it's like, well, I don't know, or I don't want to do anything. I've 
dealt with that as well. I've had moments I relate to recently where I'd be laying in bed and my alarm goes off and I don't feel worthy enough to get up and do some schoolwork, yet my brain also feels miserable just sitting in the bed doing nothing. Either. So that has been a new level that I've had to figure out. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I've had to get the thinking brain side of my brain to start being nice <laughs> to the emotional brain and say, I know you feel like this, but we have to pick one. This concept of, right. or your mind's like a vehicle yeah. and you have two passengers. Right. That's what the, that's what that chapter talks yeah, about. Yeah. You know, you have your consciousness and your emotional yeah. brain as the passengers or the co-pilots. And one of them is going to drive the car. We, as humans, our body being the vehicle is driven by emotion. Right. The co-pilot, which is a consciousness, Mm -hmm. is going to help you navigate and provide you with options mm -hmm. and provide you with the roadmap of exits and turns and right. directions and, you know, the possibilities of the different routes. But when the emotional side ain't feeling it, that <laughs> motherfucker is going to continue to go off-roading. Like I said, my <laughs> life was doing right. constantly, right? Off-roading, dig its heels in and just both feet on the brake. Right. <laughs> and there's a section that talks about how having those two brains in the car or, you know, the thinking brain and the emotional brain is like having your parents arguing in the vehicle right one will make up some shit to just to validate way and validate yeah the other right and and the conversation and the, and the communication goes nowhere <laughs> so this concept on this uh, book was the fact that the emotions are natural and they're there and there's no dominance over them but it does take work to get to a point where you are able to communicate effectively between your emotions by recognizing your emotions and understanding your emotions and not so much giving them validation right but giving them direction feel them so you can make the appropriate action make them feel acknowledged yeah like okay you're scared why are you scared right you're upset why are you upset right what is frightening you what is threatening you because if you can come up with the actual reasons for this, then it allows your thinking part of your brain to come up with the map for the solution to get to the better feeling. Correct. Or, or to stay in that lane as long as possible. Exactly. And that's what that whole concept is. The first time I heard it, it just seems so complex to me. Yeah. But, you know, fast forward a few years or a couple of years of actively working this process and learning to communicate effectively with my consciousness mm -hmm. and what I now know to be the best for me and being able to dominate those emotions that continue to pop up. I right. still feel lazy. I still feel, in, you know, mm -hmm. intimidated. I still feel insecurities about me and my past and my shortcomings and right. whatever are begin to affect me. And then I have to be able to recognize and communicate. These are all emotions. Mm -hmm. These are all sentiments. These are reactions to a certain trauma that you're processing and dealing with but that is not you currently yeah. and be able to take a second to reflect and analyze and sometimes i have to redirect because if i'm not ready to take on that emotion in that moment then it's not serving me then i gotta be able to put it down and realize that in this moment that emotion mm -hmm. it's not something that fits into the mold of what is happening in my life that is positive right right but it's being able to communicate and it's sometimes it's be able to compromise or even like you said like replay the tape so you say okay 
maybe this has happened nine out of ten times but you let it know hey you're you're living a different life you're having different perspectives so we're going to keep that in mind but we're not going to be paralyzed to not try new parts of life right because as we said in this podcast <laughs> we will talk ourselves out of Man. doing something over yeah. for over analyzing and then the overanalyzation it basically comes down to the insecurities that you are trying to justify in your head. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not this. Well, I'm not that. Well, maybe that's not the type. Maybe that is the type. Maybe I'm just too tall. Maybe I'm just too short. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm too, you know, <laughs> right. whatever the case is, we will overanalyze it. And it, this will cause a paralysis. And eventually we will talk ourselves out of that process. So that it's a challenge and it's a process that has to be worked on. It's, it's like any muscle in your body. Mm-hmm. Now my emotions are going to have to drive my body into action. Mm -hmm. So I need to acknowledge that I'm feeling a little lazy. Yeah. Then I need to compromise for myself to a certain extent to be able to get my body to get up and start moving. Mm -hmm. You know what? We're going to start with a walk. See how that feels. Right. All right. Once we feel that walk. And, you know, I I started doing that when I started fasting. I started eating healthier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember making sure that I was, you know, walking five, seven miles a day. Yeah. And my body felt so good. I, my my skin felt good. Mm-hmm. I felt good. I slept better. I overall, I just my mind felt healthier. And then I let it go for a little bit, and and I can totally tell the difference. Yeah. But now I have experienced it. Mm-hmm. So now I have to continue to talk to my emotions mm-hmm. with my reason and say, remember how good you felt? Yeah. Remember how healthy that felt? Mm-hmm. Remember how proud and and excited you felt every time you jumped on that scale and you saw five pounds less, five pounds less. You know, I dropped 20 pounds within that month. Right. And it was great. And I felt very proud of myself. And I was like, man, I never thought I'd be able to do that. Yeah. And when you step away from that and don't give yourself the validation, the grace that you've talked about. Yeah. When you can easily fall right back into the emotional side and begin to justify the feeling lazy, the feeling mm-hmm. tired, the feeling, you know, unmotivated. Feeling like all this is going to suck to redo. Right. Because I think that's like, uh, I've noticed that like with working out before, um, you used to work out heavily before and getting back into it sucks when you could lift all this weight or do a two hour workout. Now you're starting back over in about 20 minutes. I think I pulled something, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So coming back to that, you know, and and that's kind of like what it is right now with work, right? Uh, So I I didn't get some of the workout one done this week. So, but today, I, so I told myself I'm getting up on Sunday. I'm going to do some work. And I got mm-hmm. up at 7.30. And you know what? I turned it on. And you know what? I got up and I did some work for about an hour and a half. And I judged it on the fact that the computer was on. And I went forward. I didn't focus on how much I got done within the hour and a half. I had to give myself some grace. And because I did it, the emotional side of my brain is like, hey, we accomplished something. And then it made the, the conscious side of my rational side of my brain leave the emotional side alone <laughs> because it's like we did something responsible and then I pushed on to the other responsible things. And because of that, ironic and lit up, then I got up and then I cleaned my bathroom and went to church. You kept a productive day, right? Because then that promoted more productivity for the day. And then it's get left enough of good feeling for the emotional side of the day, why it's feeling responsible. And then in the morning, when the alarm goes off, I'll do it again and I'll coax it and I'll bribe it. Like I did this today and then I bribed it with some sweet potato pie. And it, <laughs> but it takes practice. Yeah. Now that if I try to think about how I got to this point, 
Am I perfect? No, none of us are. Am I ever evolving? Yes. And I will continue to be. Am I better than I used to be? Mm -hmm. Definitely. How did I get to this point? I couldn't tell you exactly how it happened. All I know that it happened one day at a time mm -hmm. and it happened with just the willingness to want to begin to make a change, to want to begin to look into different perspectives and mm -hmm. take a different approach and change the narrative. And it works. That's the daily work. And that's the that daily reprieve that we've learned about. Again, we're extremely grateful to the 12 step program that we've had the blessing of sure. working and being involved with. Not for everybody, but it would work for us. Yeah, definitely. However, the concept of the recovery extends beyond a 12-step program. Yes. And it involves everything. Finding that balance with your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And that happens gradually. Sometimes it happens with leaps and bounds. But it has to be something that is reflected on on a daily basis. And, and you really have to dive deep into all those aspects of your life, the spiritual, the emotional, the conscious side, the rational side that you were talking about, right? And in order to know how all those sides work together and they become a harmony, like even talked about in the book, they were talking about Socrates and the time they're talking about a lot of what sound like stoicism right now i personally i love the idea of stoicism but i've done enough work to know that stoicism on its own is not sustainable because it can come out very emotionless knowing how that works with my emotions it could be a challenge especially yeah. for someone that has battled with addictions for me it's a battle because of how inconsistent i was yeah and how unable to commit mm -hmm. to pretty much anything including myself <laughs> right and see it through Today, it's different. Uh -huh. Now, the concept of stoicism for me developed and there's traits in my day-to-day -day activities and, and process that are stoic teaching. For sure. And that concept really solidifies what is working, but it took some time. We have to start somewhere. So where do we start? If someone was to ask me, Vic, where do I start working on this? How it started for me was acceptance. Now, did I know that I was being active in that process of accepting? I don't think I was when mm -hmm. I began this, but I was so defeated and so beat to submission right by my emotions my thoughts my behaviors and ultimately my addictions i had to accept that i needed help that was right. the first step i had to accept that i had a problem and my problem wasn't the substance wasn't the homelessness right contributed to my problem right for sure but the biggest problem i had was myself mm -hmm. and how i processed life as a five-year-old as a 13-year-old as a 15-year-old mm -hmm. as a 17-year-old as a 19-year-old how did those situations that happened in my life during those periods of time affected my processing of certain things right as a five-year-old family separation parents getting divorced having to deal with all that and how it affected me mentally and emotionally right at 13 being physically molested mm -hmm. 17, I having to move out of the house, becoming defiant and constantly <laughs> getting in trouble. Right. And at 19, getting married and having my son. Right. And right. why did I become a father? Why did I get married? Well, I felt lonely. Right. I, I felt that a family would fix this, a kid would fix this. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I found drugs. Kind of kept me alive. Hmm. I found a way, and we talked about this, Russell Brand says right. in his book on step three. Right. That uh, therapist in one of the recovery centers that he went to told him, how clever of you to have found drugs to be mm -hmm. able to keep yourself alive. Right. And that was like, <laughs> when I heard it, it yeah. just impacted me. And I was like, wow, 
homelessness and addiction mm -hmm. was a symptom of a bigger issue. Something, right. It's a symptom of something deeper. Mm -hmm. But I had to accept the fact that my addiction was the culmination of all of this. So now that I've reached this point, mm -hmm. what's next? The book talks about how you communicate with your emotions is through empathy. Mm -hmm. In this program, now that I've had an opportunity to not only work recovery, but also work in recovery, meaning that I work in behavioral health now, that's my field. Mm -hmm. They train us on how to be empathetic and to be able to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's where you start. You meet yourself where you're at yeah. and you accept what is happening and become willing. I used to be told all the time, why can't you just stop using drugs? Why can't you just stop making stupid ass decisions? <laughs> I wish I could understand why I, you know, right. but now I do, but it came with the willingness to say, you know what, I need help and begin seeking that help. And it came through recovery centers. It came through counseling. It came mm -hmm. through researching, reading books, mm -hmm. listening to books, mm -hmm. listening to podcasts, talking to other people, mm -hmm. beginning to process some of this information on how it applied to me and clarification and understanding of what happened. Mm -hmm. and why it happened ultimately was because of me and why me made those actions mm -hmm. and made those decisions made it easier for me to begin this process and eventually the recovery looks a lot more solid and looks a lot more durable you know and, and with what you're talking about right now i feel like this chapter really puts around the first talks of really taking the time to go back to effectively communicating with ourselves because we've a little bit before this started to learn to communicate a little bit with others. But for myself, the hardest conversations that I had to have was with myself, be gentle with myself, to be empathetic with myself. And I feel like even if you're not a meditator, because with this chapter, I feel like I really need to take the time to, if not meditate, at least stop, pause. So much of life, my thinking brain has been like, go, 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 go. You got to make up for lost time. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I think this is where, like, my dad used to tell me all the time, to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Pause. Get myself aligned with myself. Realign. And then strike. Yeah, it's a great book. It's a great subject. Like I said, I listen to it a few times. And every time I listen to it, I get something different. Why? Because the process is showing me something different. Because my comprehension and my ability to see more into what is happening with me versus what had happened with me allows me to be able to internalize and be able right. to grasp these concepts, being able to work recovery and being able to work this process and the blessing that I was an addict and I accepted the help. So with that, I think we're going to go ahead and close it up for today. Gary, you got anything? Uh, just want to say again, um, all this is uh, applied knowledge, right? So the knowledge doesn't matter if you don't apply it. Thanks to everybody out there. Please subscribe. If you like what you hear, share with a friend. Again, we are on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Oh, that's right. iHeartRadio now. And various other platforms of podcasting. Once again, my name is Victor. My name is Gary. And this is Mirror on the Wall. Bye.